Have you ever heard of an ashram? Do we know what it is? Well, when I looked it up in the dictionary, the dictionary definition was a place where people go on a spiritual or religious retreat. Today, we have two amazing guests that have spent time in in, uh, an ashram, and they're here to tell us our story. Welcome. This is Boom Goddess Radio, and this is Jennifer Davis Page, your host. Um, Thank you, ladies. We've got JJ here with us today, and Shandika is our guest today, and they're going to tell us the story about living in and sharing life in an ashram. Welcome, ladies. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for having us. You're very welcome. Now, tell me, let's start from the beginning. Let's tell our listeners your stories. Let's start, how old were you when you decided to live in an ashram? And I can can ask, I know you have very different experiences. So, J.J., let's start with you. How old were you when you decided that you were going to live in an ashram? I was in my early 20s when I applied. It took six years to get accepted. So I was in my late 20s when I actually entered the ashram. So it took six years from the time of application to the time that you were accepted? Correct. Uh, After two years, I was working at the organization. All right. And... Let's, before I hop over to you, Shandika, let's go a little deeper here. Um, Tell me, um, how much research did you do uh, before making the decision and and making a decision as to which one you're going to apply to? (laughs) Make it sound like a college. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, It was an international organization, and I read the book by the founder, and it just thrilled me. I was 21 at the time. And that talked about meditation techniques. So I became a member and applied for these techniques, which you get in the mail. And they're like lessons that come to your home, uh, written from the founder. And I found so much joy and peace. And I was freshly out of college. And I just, I just was so excited about finding something of meaning in this world. So that's how it started. I didn't look into other organizations. I didn't need to. I just knew at the, as soon as I read that book that that was for me. But how did you get on the path? How did you decide or what made you decide that that's the road you wanted to travel? Um, once I read the book, I knew I was going to college at the time. Okay. And uh, I knew some people who were uh, also uh, participating in the meditation. So I started attending those meditations. And that was it. I knew it was in my heart. I just I just knew. Oh, that's there was no question. I was kind of had to knock the door down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had to finish college and they didn't want me to drop out. So that kind of thing. And then what was our next steps? You've, you've gotten accepted. You said it's almost like going like I, I'm making it sound like you're going to Yale, but uh, <laughs> tell me, what, once you were accepted, how long did it take you to um, pack up your things and get there? Uh, how soon did they want you there once you were I, accepted? I was, um, again, I moved very close. I was within walking distance, and I was working there, uh, you know, five days a week and volunteering uh, one a day a week and my day off. So I was there six days a week, and so I knew the people. I knew what I was getting myself into, and I was thrilled. And it was sad because by the time they told me, it was like, oh, we want you to enter in three days. <laughs> okay. All right. 
So you were working there prior to um, applying? Help no. me understand. I applied when I was 21. Um, as soon as I got the lessons, I liked it. I liked what I saw after I learned the meditation techniques, mm -hmm. and I applied to become a monastic. They recommended I finish college. So okay. it was three years I had to finish college. Okay. Then as soon as I finished, I moved to Los Angeles. All right. And um, then I, uh, I was working elsewhere at first, and then eventually I got hired there. And, that's, and so I just kept working there, and they would call me in for interviews okay uh spontaneously you never knew when they were coming and i was working in the kitchen <laughs> so you know i sometimes rather hot and smelly <laughs> cutting onions and mm -hmm. things like that we mm -hmm. cooked for 200 people and so it was very interesting what is the purpose of living in an ashram? I mean, in your, I'm, I'm going to ask both of you ladies that. Shandika, you want to talk to that? Well, I didn't actually live in an ashram. I visited an ashram, and it was part of a journey I was taking. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, this was in India. I had already been a disciple of Osho for se several years until he died, and um, a friend of a friend of a mutual friend of our mine and Osho gave me a video of Papaji who lived in in northern India okay. and as soon as I, I, I remember watching that video for two hours solid and I was mesmerized and this Actually, I, I, that evening I had a profound spiritual experience where my monkey mind became quiet. And it was such an experience and so much bliss and so much peace that I just knew I had to go to India to meet this master, this guru. He didn't call himself a guru. He called himself our father. He, he was nicknamed Papaji. His name was Punjaji, but he was nicknamed Papaji because he was the divine father. So I bo immediately booked my flight to India and and um, two weeks later, I arrived in India, and um, it was my second time in India, so I was a little familiar with how it works there. Okay. And I took my the bus and the the train to his house. To, he, at that time, he did not have an ashram. In fact, Punjaji never had an ashram. And when I was introduced to Punjaji, the first thing he said was, I knew you would be here. I dreamed your face two weeks ago. Well, that gave me goosebumps, because it was two imagine. weeks ago to that day that I had watched that video <laughs> so my feeling was oh dear he beckoned me <laughs> mm -hmm. because I knew at the moment I saw him that I had to go see him and I spent the most glorious four five weeks with him it was the most incredible five weeks he dreamed my name Chandika it took him three nights and he explained what it meant I was one of the sisters of, of uh, Durga Durga had three sisters Kali and Chandi and we were fierce goddesses uh, we rode tigers and we slayed the dragon, which is the mind, of course. The dragon is the mind. Mm -hmm. And so I was very thrilled to have been given this name. To me, it was a great honor. And I spent the most blissful five weeks with him. And that's where I learned about his teacher, Ramana Maharshi, who lived in South India and died in the 50s. Now, this was the time I was with Punjaji was actually in, in 1991. And so... Ramana Maharshi had been dead for a number of years, but I was just so drawn to him. I just had fallen in love with both Punjaji and Ramana Maharshi, and especially their teaching, which was very simple and very direct. And so Papaji wanted me to go to South India to the ashram. 
So after five weeks of being with Papaji, I packed my bags and my little bag and took off for South India. And he also gave me a letter to give to David Godman, a writer who lives right that lives still to this day lives at Raman Ashram, and that would, he wanted me to be introduced to him. So when I got to South India, I was given I I had to call in advance to book a book a, a room, and um, I was given a room right next to the library, which was where David Godman actually worked. And um, I spent another six weeks at Raman Ashram, which was one of the best experiences of my life. Tell our listeners about that experience. Well... I mean, tell us, like... Right, how your day starts and and what happens during the day, typically. The day starts quietly. Everything around the ashram is very peaceful and very quiet. And the day starts peacefully and quietly. And during the time I was there, of course, uh, well, I shouldn't say of course, but during the time I was there, there was very very little thoughts in my head. I had uh, I had pretty much a very quiet mind, and so the day would start, and they w- then we'd I'd walk across to the to the main hall of the ashram and spend a little time talking to a few of the people there working in the bookstores, and then we'd go to the big restaurant. It was a very large room where we would all sit on the floor and be given a banana leaf. And no utensils. You all had to wash your hands before you walked in because everything was eaten by the fingers. And we were given food, which was out of this world, (laughs) cooked with love, obviously. And um, that was breakfast. And then after that, we would go to... We could participate in any anything that was going on in the ashram itself. We had pretty much free reign. And um, I participated in some of the meditations and definitely the chants. The chants were beautiful. But one of the highlights of my time at the ashram was walking up the mountain because this was, this ashram was right below a mountain called Arunachala, which is the red mountain where Shiva, apparently Shiva is supposed to have lived. And and, um, and when Ramana Maharshi went there as a child, he was 16 when he became enlightened, and he went to this mountain and he lived there all his life. He lived in the cave most of his life, and, the, and he moved from different caves, different levels of the mountain, till he ended up at the top of the cave so that people wouldn't bother him. And so I enjoyed taking daily walks up that mountain to that cave and sitting in that cave just completely blissing out, (laughs) watching the monkeys play and just completely mindless. If our listeners could see your face, you could you, the, the the smile that it, it the story brings to you is just wonderful. It brings me back to the mountain. <laughs> now, so that so in your situation, you could do you could take your day. There was no structure. You could take no, your day and do no anything you'd like during that. that That's time. right. Yes, it, it wasn't a structured ashram. All right, JJ, it sounded like yours was more structured, am I right? Absolutely. Um, it, they had it structured if you're going to... There's two tiers. One were members. Members come to Sunday meditations or they have temples around uh, meditation groups and they have an opportunity to get together and meditate. And usually that's in silence. They have, you know, chanting also. 
And they also have, you know, oh, potlucks and things like that to have social interactions. And they're literally worldwide. Um, but the monastics in the monastic order, um, once you're accepted, you're on a probationary trial as a postulant. And in that, it's extremely structured. Uh, there's a you meditate first thing in the morning by yourself, then you're in a group meditation, etc. I mean, you know, it's it's structured lessons. You do ashanas, which are yoga postures. Um, we have classes. Uh, we have wonderful meals. <laughs> I made sure of that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Completely changed the kitchen when I got there. Um, and then we, uh, you're there for a year and a half, two years as a postulant, and then you're invited to the next level to take a vow of a novice. And then that can go on for quite a while. It's, it used to be very short, and it got longer and longer. And then you're invited to take a vow as a brahmacharini. And as a novice and a brahmacharini, you start wearing the saris. Okay. And then you're more in the public, and, you, and you're more working. Uh, you have the group meditations every morning and night, and at lunchtime you have your personal ones, so you're meditating five times a day. And again, the meditation techniques are, are wonderful, but the long meditation at Christmas, December 23rd, they have a long meditation. That was the highlight of my life, Those, that one day a year where we just meditated and chanted the peace, the joy, the bliss. It was just, it was unbelievable. You, you can't, there's nothing in this world to compare it to. And for me, that was, that was why I was there. That's why I stayed for so long. <laughs> can, a, can a person go to an ashram for a week to meditate and to pray and to experience what the two of you have experienced, or do you have to commit a longer period of time? Oh, no, there's ashrams that are different levels of things. And uh, this particular ashram does have um, retreats for the members. In fact, I worked for 15 years at one of their retreats. Um, and the members can come for a week or for a weekend conducted retreat or for a weekend non-conducted, depending on how much you know they want the conducted, you know, how much they feel they need. Because it's, it's, again, it's a beautiful environment. It's peaceful. There's a chapel that's full of beautiful. Uh, we're going we're to get back with that. And we're going to take a brief break. And we'll be right back to listen to the rest of JJ's story. Welcome back. This is Boom Goddess Radio and Jennifer Davis-Page, your host. And we've got two amazing guests today. We've got JJ and Chandika. At the uh, end of that, before our break, we were talking with JJ and she was telling us, I was asking the question about, can a person come for a week and just meditate? And her answer was, go ahead, JJ. Well, can an athlete who, who a person who's not an athlete suddenly become an athlete? Mm -hmm. They can't just suddenly decide they're going to run a marathon. There's training involved. So it is you, you probably would not be comfortable if you go from a life of mainly watching TV and movies and all this activity, reading the paper and 
uh, completely absorbed in the world and then try to cut that off immediately and go go meditate for a week. It, it doesn't quite work that way. Okay. You have to have some sort of technique, some sort of training, because you're training your mind instead of having being controlled by your mind. Because in most meditations, you have to correct me, that it, it teaches you're a soul. You're not your body. You have many lives, and the soul is in control. And the soul is pure and perfect. Is something close to that in your beliefs? Yes, it's very similar to that. Yeah, yes. It's basic underlining truth. And so it resonates with people. And once you connect with that, you can go very fast, very far. And it's not that you can't be in the world. One of the founders was a household person who who had a children, a family, a business, I mean, work to work. It's not that you can't. It's just having that understanding of connecting. It's like once you learn to ride a bicycle, you can ride a bicycle anytime. But it's a little bit of a training. What are your thoughts, Shandika? Well, I have a little different thought, a uh, different approach um, as far as, as the, the ashram, Raman ashram. It has a slightly different vibration and approach to people than that. It's not a structured. The people who live there are structured. They do their, their, the same things. They do their meditations several times a day. They do their chanting. But they do allow visitors. It's a completely different setup. They do, they're open to visitors. Now, when I went in 91, I was very lucky because at that time they allowed a visitor to stay up to five weeks, which is what I did. No, six weeks. I was there for six weeks. And they gave you a place to stay. Today, you can't, they, they don't do that anymore. They will give a person up to three nights and that's all. But you still have to do the same thing today that I had to do. You have to notify them a month in advance that you would like to come and be a guest and they will they will they will immediately respond they're very good about responding and usually it's by email you can do email or write to them and um, and you can stay there for three nights and you can experience the whole ashram feeling the meditations you can jump in and do you know and usually people who go there they're not people who are just interested in TV. They're usually people who are interested in the spiritual path. Usually people who are, sometimes a lot of the visitors are people who do what I call guru hopping. They want to check out different gurus and different ashrams and different spiritual teachings. Um, but in, in my case, of course, I was just sent there by my guru <laughs> because this was his teacher. And I was just totally in love with both of them and their teachings. So if a person life is just life is just gotten away from some from you, for example, and you just right. need a break. Right. All right. Is this the place to go? I mean, is this do you take three days or a week? And is this the place to go? And kind of. It depends what your interest is. If it's a person who's genuinely interested in the spiritual path and finding out who their true self is, mm -hmm. wanting to go within rather than seeing everything outside themselves, then I would say this is a great place to go. Um, 
And most people who go there and who want to go there, I usually know all about Ramana Maharshi and his teachings because Papaji became famous and, and Ramana Maharshi himself became very famous. And seekers all over the world came to him. And um, there are many, many, many books written about him and his teachings and his beautiful, beautiful personality because he was so kind and so loving and so generous. And, um, and so people... People who go there usually know who he is. So when you w went to, uh, to India for this experience, how many other people like yourself, let's just talk about the first day you were there, how many other people came from around the world to, to join? At the time I was there, there were people all from all over the world. And uh, when I went to see Papaji, there were several of my friends had already been to see Papaji. And there were two friends from Alaska who were there at the time I was there. And they also came to see Ramana. They came to the ashram also. So they, there were several people that I already knew at the ashram when I went there. And I met a lot of beautiful people who were spiritual seekers, who, who loved his teaching and who were there for that. And um, one of the things I did also want to mention about the daily things I did, during the time I was there, there's a walk completely around the mountain that they do, that, that everybody gets to do. And you do it completely in silence and you do it slowly. It's a, it's a half a day journey. You start in the morning and you just slowly walk around the mountain. You go through the village of Tiruvannamalai. What mountain is this? This is Arunachala. Okay. It's the sacred mountain of South India. And um, you walk around this mountain and it's, it gives you a sense of a complete sense of peace. And this is something I really I loved doing it. I actually ended up doing it twice. And um, as I say, this was an all day experience. And you find disciples just slowly walking around the mountain every day, all, you know, is this an experience? Now, have you been back since, since, how many times have you been back to the mountain? Never. Is that something that's on your list to do before the end of your days? It is on my bucket list. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yes. Wonderful. Uh, JJ, did you go to, I know you went to India as well. Mm -hmm. Were you in the same region, since I don't know the regions, were you in the same region that uh, Shandika was in? I got to southern India very briefly, but I was more along the shoreline. Um, mostly I, I went up to the Himalayas, um, and then I came down. Um, I went with, I met a friend of mine. And I went, and we, we at that time it was safe to be in Kashmir, and so we stayed on a houseboat. Mm -hmm. It was just beautiful. And uh, then we went to the various places mentioned in the book um, that I had read about um, the spiritual teachings that I was a part of. Do you want to share the title of that book with, any, with the, our listeners? The Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. And have, have you read that, Chandik? Are you shaking yes, your head? Yes, okay. I have read that book. It's yeah. wonderful. Okay. And so it, it had listed things that the Paramahansa Yogananda had done in India. And so it was sort of a pilgrimage to the places that he had gone and things he had seen. And that was a long time ago. <laughs> now, there is a good photograph of, of him visiting Ramana. Yes, yes, yes. 
<laughs> he stands right next to him. It's In the beautiful. autobiography, Paramount Jagannanda <laughs> visited the gurus that she's talking okay. of. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So now, how long did you, JJ, stay in India? I know Shandika was there for six weeks. No, I was in India for three months. Okay. How I, did I get six weeks? You no, I was at the ashram for six the, weeks. Okay. But right. I was in North India for the first five weeks, and then I was in Pune after that, and then I went to South India for six weeks, and then back to, back up to Punjaji. So altogether, I was in India for three months, and I went three times, and I was there three months each time. So and each time it was an ashram experience? No. All right. I see. The, the middle just the time ashram only. experience was just the one time? That's the one time, Okay. Yes. I was there for five weeks. Um, and we traveled, again, from the Himalayas all the way down to South India, um, mostly hitting the places that were talked about in the Autobiography of a Yogi. And you, but at that point, you had not... Your Los Angeles experience hadn't started yet, is that correct? No. All right. So that I it had started um, during these interviews that we had um, to to enter the ashram. Mm -hmm. uh, at one point, they wanted to know what I would do if I didn't enter, and I had already, I don't usually have a plan B in my life. I just have a plan A. <laughs> <laughs> My plan A was I was going to enter that ashram. And so I, I wouldn't answer them. I said, I have no, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And it went on for an hour. And I realized they were not going to let me alone unless I gave them something. Um, so I said, I guess I'd visit India. I wasn't really drawn to visiting India. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had my guru. I had the teachings, you know. Uh, but they said, oh, that won't take long. So I was working for minimum wage. And back then it was under, it was slightly over $2. I had no money to go to India. So then I started working in on the weekends um, at other various jobs so that I could get enough money to go. And it took a while. But uh, then circumstances changed somewhat and I was able to go. And I... Um, so I, I planned a trip uh, coming uh, my, to, to India and uh, with my friend who also at that point wanted to enter the ashram. So we were, we were neighbors and alike, you know, things. So she was, uh, had been a stewardess or worked for the airline. So she, um, but her timing was a little bit different than mine. So I went a, a little bit before her to the ashram of, of this organization. And? In Ranchi. All right. And? Uh, again, you were there just once? Is oh, yes. She went back four times. She had a wonderful time. Uh, okay. But she was going back and forth because she could afford to do that because she was traveling on her passes or, and such? Yeah. And also, she just really, really had wonderful experiences. She really liked it. She was very musical. And so we, we had wonderful experiences with different um, chanting and things like that. And some of the ashrams and things. Now, did she spend the whole five or six weeks with you there? Except for the first few days, because I went a little, a few days sooner than she did. Okay. And then that's when you, what did you, what did you learn from being there? That's what. I was disappointed because I didn't recognize anything I like I know I've had many lives and and I thought I would recognize something at least but nothing was really familiar it was very loud they have like we have the food trucks well they have things like that everywhere but they crank up the music 
uh, Indian music very loud, mm -hmm. and it's very poor sound system. <laughs> and there's a lot of bugs. It was hot. Uh, I'd learned a little bit of Hindi, so I could tell the rickshaw drivers where to go. Um, and we traveled a lot to, to do all that. You, could, you know, it takes time. Um, I enjoyed the Himalayas. It was very, very beautiful. The stars at night were spectacular. But most of it, it was just, it wasn't my thing. All right. Well, I want you to know that I have not gotten enough of these stories. And we were going to originally just do a, a radio show for 30 minutes. But this is so intriguing. I think our listeners would like to have a part two to this. So what I would like you ladies to do, if you don't mind, is to hang out with me in the studio. And we are going to record an, another show for next week. Our listeners will be able to find out exactly what a wonderful spiritual experience this was for you. Thank you so much. For more information, visit our website, boomgoddessradio.com, and follow us on Facebook, Boom Goddess. We'd love to hear from you. Your interest powers our programs.